This morning, I would like for us to consider the idea of following Christ, but not just following Christ, but also adding value to people. And what I mean by that is seeing people and seeing the value that they have in our lives and in the eyes of God as Christ saw and valued us. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, beginning. And the version I'm going to be reading from this morning is the message. It's not a typical version of Scripture that I read from, but it's one I believe that will carry the idea that I'm trying to implement today much better than trying to read a word-for-word type of version of the Bible. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Walking along the beach at Lake Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, later called Peter, and Andrew. They were fishing, throwing their nets into the lake. It was their regular work, and Jesus said to them, Come with me, I will make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. They didn't ask questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. A short distance down the beach, they came along another pair of brothers, James and John, Zebedee's sons. These two were sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their fishing nets. Jesus made the same offer to them, and they were just as quick to follow, abandoning boat and father. Now, I want us to consider a few thoughts about this idea of following Jesus, and that is Jesus is looking for people to follow him. He finds people in their environment. I mean, think about it. From the point of his birth, Jesus has come to us, into our environment to find us. His words, follow me, are the greatest leadership words that have ever been uttered. And why is that? It's because of the person who said it, Jesus. What do those words really mean? What does follow me mean? Follow me means that Jesus will be our example, that Jesus will be with us, that Jesus will help us discover our significance and purpose in this life. Now, I want you to know how quickly Peter and Andrew and James and John responded to Jesus saying, come with me or follow me. Was it who he was? Is that why they responded so quickly? Was it because of what he said or did they feel valued? So there's three questions that followers oftentimes ask their leaders. Number one, do you care for me? And number two, can you help me? And number three, can I trust you? Do you care for me? Can you help me? And can I trust you? And Jesus says to all three of those questions, yes. Follow the footsteps of Jesus through the Gospels, and you soon realize that Jesus values people. Think about Zacchaeus as an example in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1, beginning, Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head taxman and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way, and he was a short man. He couldn't see over the crowd, and so he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw this incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, Today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to find and to restore the lost. You see, Jesus valued Zacchaeus more than Zacchaeus valued himself. Jesus valued Zacchaeus more than others valued 
Zacchaeus. That is also true in our lives, is it not? Another example is that of the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? The Samaritan woman, taken back, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And then it goes on in verse 27, just then his disciples came back and they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces all showed it. You see, Jesus valued the Samaritan woman more than she valued herself. Jesus valued the Samaritan woman more than the disciples valued her. Another example, that which is of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 17 through 32, it says there, that brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. And as he approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing. Calling over all the house servants, he asked what was going on. He told him, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has him home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join him. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look, how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money shows up and you go all out on a feast for him? His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. You see, the father valued the son more than the son valued himself. I want you to note twice, I don't deserve to be called your son. Verse 19, I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. Verse 21. Our disappointment in ourselves oftentimes gets projected on God. But in verse 22, we see that the father wasn't listening to that. He wasn't going to allow for that projection. Also, the father valued the son more than the brother valued the brother. Also note that both father and older brother didn't listen. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. The father wasn't listening. Why? It's because unconditional love values people. We see people, we see the need, we value them. In verse 28, the older brother stalked off in anger, sulking, refusing to join in. His father came and tried to talk to him. He was not listening. That's called legalism. Legalism overvalues works and undervalues people. 
And then in verse 29, look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you a moment of grief. But he's wrong because the father is now grieved by his very attitude. He has grieved the father. You see, Jesus values people. We need to follow him. We need to be like him. That means that I need to value people too. And how do I do that? Unconditionally. There was a man who fell into a pit and he couldn't get himself out. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall down into that pit. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you're in a pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into a pit. A news reporter wanted the exclusive story of the pit this man fell into. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. A Calvinist said, if you'd been saved, you'd never have fallen into that pit. A Wesleyan said, you were saved and still fell into that pit. A charismatic said, just confess that you're not in the pit and you'll be out of the pit. A realist said, that's a pit. An IRS agent said, hey, are you paying taxes on the pit? The county inspector asked if he had a special permit to dig the pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of the pit altogether. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. The bookie said, chances are anyone could fall into a pit. The optimist said things could be worse. The pessimist said these things are going to get worse. Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to Pursuing the Pinnacle, sharing it with those that you love. As always, it's my prayer that God be with you and that you seek him in all things. Until next time, God bless.